The Vampire and Lycan clans had been at war for centuries before I was born. Their endless conflict hidden from the human world. I was turned by a vampire and given the strength to avenge my family against the Lycans, and I was good at it. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast's Underworld Retrospective Series. The Selene goes, trouble surely follows. Hosted by Arnie. Information is power, and I collect it. With a passion. Jacob. I know exactly what you are. And Stuart. He's too powerful for you alone. But be warned, this episode will contain detailed plot spoilers and strong language. The sun will burn you to ashes out there, or you can die with some grace in here. We hope you enjoy the show. Show me what you have. Yes, sir. Today we're discussing Underworld Awakening. I'm trying. I'm trying to stay awake. It's hard. Starring Kate Beckinsale, Stephen Ray, Michael Ely, Theo James, India Isley, and Charles Dance. My dear brother Nootsy. Directed by Mons Marland. I don't know exactly what the umlaut does above an A in this. And Bjorn Stein. This is the now playing co-host, that's the enemy humans were waiting for, Arnie. And Stuart. And this is the co-host who loves to podcast. It's in my blood. It's who I am. Jacob. Mmm. I love to podcast about underworld movies as much as Kate Beckinsale likes to be in <laughs> underworld movies. How much did it take to drag her back into this leather cat suit, I wonder? Again, you acted like she's got better options. What is she doing? <laughs> Raising her child, focusing on other things. She would do these quaint little dramas. She did something with Robert De Niro about family relationships that made zero money. Yeah, exactly. She basically took a three-year break. I think pretty much she did Total Recall 2012, and maybe this was a two-for-one? No, no, a three-for-one. She came back to the action genre big time in 2012. She did three movies, one of which was a hit... Mark Wahlberg, crime film, Contraband. I guess she's the wife. <laughs> Fun part. Haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. It made money, apparently. And yes, her husband pointlessly remade Total Recall. We have eventually covered it. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't like it. It's okay-ish. It's not good. You don't need it. <laughs> it's not okay-ish. It's bad. <laughs> I mean, I get Arnie's point that it's not criminally, insanely bad, but it's pointless and she does nothing with the Sharon Stone role. And so, yeah, not needed. But I guess everyone would have been excited, that was a fan anyway, that she was agreeing to come back after six years to play Celine. Yeah, you're saying Contraband made money. I mean, these Underworld films must be making money if they keep making them. This one made 160 on a budget of 70 Yeah, even that third film, which went without her, it made the least amount. And so there's a reason to find the way to bring her back. But even that one was $100 million. Yeah, they seem to double their investment. They pack a tidy little profit. I feel like it's international, which explains why this one also comes with a three-part anime. I don't know if you guys watched it, but to promote this, the year before Underworld Awakening came out, we had Endless War. 
It was on the disc. I was able to make it through one and a half segments of it before I lost total interest. They're five minutes long. <laughs> Wait, yeah. You only made it through one and a half and it's 15 minutes long. Yep, that's seven and a half more minutes than I had to give. <laughs> I mean, look, they aren't good and the animation is pretty subpar, but that feature has nothing to do with this film. It's weird. It's about her going after three werewolf brothers through time, or lichens, I guess I should say. And so I'm like, oh, so there's going to be some mention of them or something. Nope, nothing. Yeah, you would think that there's three of them in three episodes. There's 1890, 1967, and then 2012, the present day, the universe that this movie takes place in. She's picking off this trio of werewolves. You would think that in some version of the script, she went after the third werewolf in the movie as well. But incomplete as a backstory, I agree. Even as an anime, it's like Vampire Hunter D minus, maybe Vampire <laughs> Hunter F. It's not good. Did it even tie into the fact that she had been frozen for a decade or did it break that continuity? Nope, that is going to be a shock for me as we get into this plot that when I find out she was frozen for a decade, I thought it was a few hours. But here's the thing. I didn't know what Awakening was. I've never seen it didn't watch a trailer. I thought this anime spoiled something for me because we're going to find out in the third part of that animated feature, humans know about the lichens and the vampires. And I'm like, oh, that must be the whole plot of this, how the humans found out about these people. Nope, that animated thing is going to give you as much backstory as this entire film will for humans. Again, that makes me laugh so much that even the promotional material meant to give you the story that's not in the film can't come up with a story. No story. <laughs> well, that's because this script was being rewritten as they were shooting. They spent years writing this script, and by the time they started, weren't happy with it, despite the fact that Len Wiseman is off doing Total Recall while this film is being made. Len is shooting stuff apparently not with Kate Beckinsale during the day, writing new pages for Underworld Awakening at night, which are then filmed the very <laughs> next day, drastic things changed, including the name of the sects and the age of the daughter, just between the time they made the first trailer and the time this thing came out. They even had J. Michael Straczynski, a writer who I admire. I saw that! A comic book writer, yeah. <laughs> creator of Babylon 5, that TV show that people love. Yeah, he's done a lot of TV too. They had him on there working on this and just were constantly changing it during filming to try to make it coherent. So who are the geniuses behind this film? You say Lynn Wiseman was writing pages among four credited screenwriters, but he's not the one sitting in the director's chair because he is making Total Recall. He has given it to Marlon and Stein. Two single name directors teaming up. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Martin and Lewis. <laughs> Although they had a hit. It's worth pointing out, in Europe, they had a TV series that was doing very well called The Bridge, and they Americanized that. I didn't see the Norwegian version of The Bridge, but it's about a dead body that pops up between a literal bridge between two countries, and America and Mexico have to figure it out. I guess in the original show, it was Norway and Denmark. Ran for years in international, and I guess they'd be a big get. I did hunt down... The movie they made prior to this, Six Souls, Julianne Moore, uh, David Fincher's Seven Wannabe, in which she's a forensic psychologist 
investigating a man with multiple personalities who may be involved with a cult. And it's kind of caught in between being a respectable junkie B-movie and just being one of those straight-to-tape, Nick Cage should be in it kind of movies. <laughs> and the Nick Cage wins in the end. For about half of it, you're like, oh, it's stylish and kind of stupid. And by the end of it, it's just stupid. But I can see why you'd hire them for something. I don't know if Underworld 4 is calling their name, but they had a sense of style. They had some international cachet. This is their foray into Hollywood. So they had a big budget. I was surprised. No Underworld movie in America has made $70 million, but that is what they're giving this production to relaunch in 2012. I mean, they're going to be able to sell more expensive tickets. This is 3D, apparently. Filmed in 3D. I don't get why these huge productions like Avengers are like, 3D is way too difficult to film in. We have to post-convert. Joss Whedon filmed the stinger scene of Thor in 3D. It took so long and was such a pain. Could not possibly do Avengers in 3D. And yet films like My Bloody Valentine and this are like, yeah, we're going to film in 3D and we're going to do it quickly and we're going to come in on time, under budget, with good 3D. I watched this in 3D and really can say, you feel it. When it's filmed in 3D, you feel it. I always like it when stuff pops out. There's always a good sense of depth, but there's a point where a lichen jumps out at you that kind of got me. Oh, she's always throwing those discs, right? They're coming right at your face. <laughs> I will say, I think 3D benefited this film for me, even though I watched it in 2D, in that I know with 3D, because you're wearing those glasses and everything, everything's darker, so you got to make that image brighter. So, like, I could actually see colors in this. It's not a gray palette. Like, there's actual richness to the picture here. Yeah, I guess it looks different. I mean, it has been almost a decade since the first film, and so it's natural that they're trying to play catch-up. The way I see it is... They came in at the forefront of a huge trend, and now they're looking around going, why is this Twilight thing making money? Why is True Blood <laughs> the thing that people are talking about? We need to come back. Avatar made 3D a thing. We're going to come back guns a-blazing and try to be like a T2, so much bigger than what the original ever was. Really? Were they going for bigger? Because this is under 90 minutes, which I appreciate. <laughs> we'll talk about the quality, but I definitely think the production budget is three times what they've had in the past. And it was profitable. It's worth saying in America, it made what underworld movies do, 50 to 60 million. But internationally, that's what saved their ass. They were able to recover costs. And we get a fifth movie because this one was an international hit. Top-grossing Underworld movie of the whole series. You gotta think 3D helped that, because... Oh, yeah. Being novel back then, I know I was more prone to see movies that I wouldn't otherwise like My Bloody Valentine, if it did have the 3D gimmick, especially filmed in 3D. Yeah, and again, vampires and werewolves were happening. All the Twilight movies were out by this point. It was a full-fledged phenomenon. So yeah, let's talk about it. Arnie, let's see if they reclaim the mantle, give them the plot of Awakening. The secret vampire lichen war is over. Humans found out about these supernatural beings living amongst them. and How, Arnie? Tell us how in this intricate plot. <laughs> and the humans declared war on both species. 
Now the Lycans are all but extinct and the vampires that remain live in hiding. At the start of the film, we see our favorite death dealer, Celine, again played by Kate Beckinsale. She's not my favorite death dealer, but whatever. Who is then, Stuart? Name another one. Sonia! That's the only <laughs> other one, Sonia. <laughs> oh shit, are those my options? Well, fuck. I guess she is. I mean, unless you like one of the background death dealers. <laughs> vampire number three? I don't know. And her half-vampire, half-werewolf lover, Michael, not played by Scott Speedman, captured by humans and frozen. Celine wakes up in cryogenic freeze more than a decade later. She looks for Michael, but what she finds instead is Eve, a young girl played by India Isley. I ain't never heard that name in this movie. Yeah, I never heard Eve, just subject number two. According to Wiki, they start saying Eve during the end of the movie. They just start saying it. That's the best time to drop a name for a character at the very end. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm not going to go back to watch it, but I just I was surprised when I went to look at IMDb later to get cast names and everything, and they identify her as Eve. Eve is a half-vampire, half-werewolf, the daughter of Michael and Celine's love. Hunting Celine is a group of scientists led by Dr. Jacob Lane, played by Stephen Ray. The cover story is that these scientists were looking for a cure to the diseases of vampirism and lichenism. In truth, these scientists are all secretly werewolves searching for a way to become stronger and no longer susceptible to silver, the weapons used by humans. Lane had experimented on his son Quint, played by Chris Holden Reed, turning him into a super lichen, larger and stronger and capable of healing instantly. The lichen pack chase Celine and Eve, but the two find Haven in a coven led by a vampire named Thomas, played by Charles Dance. When the Lycans attack, Thomas gives them Eve in exchange for saving his coven. Celine, aided by Thomas's son David, played by Theo James, and a police detective named Sebastian, played by Michael Ely, storm the Lycan base. Celine tricks Quint into taking his human form and she's able to kill him. Many other Lycans are killed, and Celine rescues Eve. The two set off to find Michael, who seems to still be alive and communicating psychically with the two women, as credits roll. And as we start, you know, it's been a couple weeks, we've been watching some other stuff, but wasn't it just like an oh shit moment when she's back up on that ledge? I'm like, not again! Yes! I'm like, no, we're not doing this again! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I knew this movie was the return of Celine, but I wasn't positive if Kate Beckinsale was returning. And when I see her up on that ledge, her hair's different and things. I'm like, did they recast? Is that like a lookalike? It took me a minute to realize it was Kate Beckinsale, again doing the voiceover, again donning the spandex. Yeah, everything changed. This is where we get the idea that humans are the new death dealers. And Jacob, you've been asking for a reason. How do they know? As best as I can tell, it's a spritz test. They have an atomizer. They walk, they have like checkpoints. You're driving up, they spray you in the face, and you'll reveal your true monster. Yeah, I get that. I want to know how the humans found out in the first place. Now, there was hints in that first one when they're like, oh, we have these new ultraviolet things. The lichens must be working with someone. So I thought that was going to be revealed in that first one. But no, how do the humans know about lichens and vampires when it's been such a secret for hundreds of years and... Again, I thought that was going to be the plot of this one after watching that animated feature. We're going to find out how this all came to be. Nope, they just know. It's 2012, Jacob. Vampires are everywhere. There's, <laughs> you can't escape them. They're sparkling. 
They're taking your teenage daughter out on dates. They're shooting Uzis in subways. I think that would draw some attention. (laughs) Yeah, they could have established that. But look, on the other hand, I appreciate we're just getting into it. These films are the worst when they try to get into their lore. It's never consistent. It's confusing. So, okay, humans know. We're going to get lots of fights. I feel like, yeah, that's the right place to take this, is now the vampires who I never liked, and the Lycans who I liked after that third period piece film, they're on the run now. Yeah, I agree. That's an equal opportunity. The Lycans always felt like the oppressed class, the ones that were in chains. If they ever did anything bad, well, they had been enslaved by vampires, so they kind of had the right to have an uprising. But yeah, now they're equally screwed. You would think that would bring them together. You would think that it would mean that Lycan and Vampire would be friends, but the war is still going on. Selene will make that point in this monologue, but humans are winning as the third party. I'm kind of confused. I mean, first of all, I was hopeful that this would be Vampire and Lycan versus Human. I thought that would be more fun, Mm -hmm. but I'm a bit confused because they go on about how humans aren't even hunting them anymore. There's so few Lycans left. And yet Celine is telling me that there's this vampire lichen war still going on. I'm like, wouldn't you have a common enemy? Well, that is somehow, even though they're trying to streamline it, they're going to still make it confusing <laughs> with all this lore. We get this whole montage nine days ago, humans discovered vampires and lichens, and now there's this purge, and then Celine's going to be frozen on ice. I thought that was all a week's time. We're going to find out it's been 12 years. 12 years have passed. That comes much later in the film, but I was going off the assumption that, like, this war has escalated very quickly. Like, we're just in the first months of it. Okay, so it's very confusing for lots of reasons here at the beginning. We get a big action scene after the monologue ends, and we know whatever we're going to know. She's running around doing her Trinity thing and shooting people, and something we're going to call Michael, but is clearly not Scott Speedman, is down on a pier. It's his stunt double. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. It looks enough like him. They didn't have the CGI technology to change faces yet. Now they could just graft his face onto... They could do it on me and I'd be Michael. He'd probably have to allow it. And there must be a reason he doesn't want back in, right? Look, I am glad Michael is gone. I was so excited thinking he was dead for most of this film. Maybe we'll get him next week, but good. Get rid of Michael. That never worked with Celine. Yeah, hold on to that thought. It's weird that we were told Romeo and Juliet, and now we're being told Romeo doesn't matter. It's all about (laughs) Juliet and Juliet's daughter. That's weird. Well, that's when Romeo either didn't get along with the production team or didn't want to come back (laughs) for her fourth movie. Yeah, I will withhold speculation about why it may be and just say that, yes, they find a way to take him out of this picture. Michael is gone rather abruptly. He turns into his hybrid self so they can disguise not Scott Speedman. And then he sinks like a stone into the lake, river, ocean, whatever it is, wherever they are. Yeah, we don't know where they are yet. Is this a worldwide war against vampires and lichens? It feels very contained to the city. Yeah, I thought it was Romania, but who knows? He's Leo at the end of Titanic. He's sinking to the bottom. I thought he was impossible to kill. I really thought that by being this hybrid, nobody could stop him. He was all-powerful. And they take him out really quick here. Yeah, it's a very bizarre transition. So she jumps in this lake, swim into him, they drop a bomb, boom, and then ice crystals are forming on the screen, probably look cool in 3D, but all of a sudden, Kate Beckinsale is naked in a cryo tube. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Huh? 
12 years past. I was trying to figure out, was that bomb actually some freeze bomb that froze him in place? Because yeah, that transition is real awkward. I think that is what it is. They have some bomb that freezes the ocean, and I don't know how much of it, but it puts her in cryo, and when she gets out of there, these movies have never been great with their CGI, but that CGI ice smoke, dry ice effect that's trying to cover the nipples is really bad. Really, really bad. Yeah, it is. Not only that... But they have her whole costumes up like it's Planet Hollywood. Like her boots are like hanging on the wall and her corset. Well, I didn't even notice the cat suit and she goes and just gets those boots. I'm like, she could never run around naked in just boots? Is that what yeah. we're going to get? Someone with dry ice is walking her over to the wall so she can pull it off and be dressed within seconds. It really is a bummer for anyone looking for some skin and some hotness in this one. They've taken out Romeo and Juliet is not showing you nothing. And Kate Beckinsale has done nudity before, right? She just wasn't going to do it for this low rent. (laughs) I'm not sure what the picture might have been. My guess is there are art films that she would bear all. But yes, Underworld 4. Is she even here? I mean, again, I guess she showed up. But my God, is she just in a snit? Haughty and angry and confused. Both her character and the actress seem to be living out the nightmare that she's yet again And another one of these goddamn films. I mean, angry and confused, that's how I felt during three of these films. Yeah, agreed. And we think Michael is alive because she is having a psychic link with a POV cam. And it's running around the lab somewhere else, and so that must be Scott Speedman. And if only she could catch up with it, we could have our Romeo and Juliet story again. But she can't find him and has to go out the window. I was confused, but I never thought that was Michael. Oh, really? Oh, I did. I thought Michael was dead in that first scene, and she woke back up. I never thought it was Michael until she says, I'm trying to find Michael. Until she literally verbalizes it, I'm just trying to figure out what the hell I'm seeing glimpses of. Yeah, I get confused, because as they're trying to contain her in this lab, they're going to gas her with fentanyl? You don't need a whole (laughs) lot of fentanyl to kill someone. I guess if you're a vampire, you need a lot. Who knows how it works with vampire physiology, I didn't know fentanyl was a thing in 2012. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was. It just wasn't regulated. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's like a party drug for these lab technicians to hit a button and be like, okay, fentanyl time. I I don't know. But I can say this. Two things about this action scene are standout. One, they're going for something harder. It's pretty obvious. All these movies have been R, worth pointing out. But this is the one that's going to show you the broken bones. The blood is going to spatter against the walls. So many lichen brains getting shot out and splattered Mm -hmm. on the screen. And I love this scene. Like, she does this little running charge and slides on her knees with scalpels in her hands and slices everyone's throat. Okay, that's working for me. I'm into it. I mean, seriously, the gore, the violence, it's upping the action level. I'm enjoying this scene more than I've enjoyed anything in an Underworld film so far. I'll be more muted in my praise, but it's noteworthy. It's noteworthy to know that we're not going for Shakespearean tragedy anymore. Nope. This is a slick, it feels like it should be a direct VOD kind of thing. But again, with 70 million, they're aiming for theaters. And the other thing that stands out to me is, hey, is that Wes Bentley? Yes, it is. All of a sudden, the star of American Beauty has three seconds watching her jump out the window. And I'm like, wow, is that where your career has come 12 years later? (laughs) The star of Ghost Rider 
Yes, oh. this is where he is. <laughs> I forgot about that film, but you're right. He was the villain there. So that you deserve this. This is what movie Geo looks like. You now have to do cameos in Underworld 4. But she's going to come back to him later, throw him out of a window. He gets two more minutes to explain what we already kind of know from the anime. Human beings in the 12 years she's been frozen have more or less purged both werewolves and vampires and still decide they like the aesthetic. Not pay the light bill. Still going to have everything black and gothy. You'd think the world would look different if human beings had reclaimed it. They talk about this in the commentary, how underworld films have a specific look. For sure. And they didn't want to lose the visual grammar. They wanted to keep the low angles. They wanted to keep the gothic feel. It needed to still feel like part of this universe. Yeah, it's hard to reconcile with the fact that the humans have the upper hand at this point. Again, she gets to this pier and is told it's been 12 years since this war has started which was mind-blowing to me. I thought it had been months at the most. And yeah, nothing has changed. Lichens are still around. Vampires are still around. They're just hiding, but they're still dressed the same. It's all the same aesthetic. It doesn't feel, I don't know, maybe because it's martial law, it still feels like an underworld film. They had to leave the palace. Vampires were like lounging around this mansion. And now you got to hit a button and like go underground. It's literally an underworld now that they lounge around in. But I agree. And wanting to hold on the aesthetic, it feels a little bit sad. They still want the previous decade's trends. Again, they're still trying to make the Matrix thing alive when we're well beyond that now. 13, 14 years. I mean, even Matrix Resurrections ditched that color palette for the most part. Right, yeah. You gotta try for something new if you're rebooting something. And that's what it feels like. By saying humans are the new threat, they're rebooting the aesthetic, it's been enough time... It's a surprise that they want to still grab on to their dark chocolate look, but I guess that's all they ever had. It's all Underworld ever had that people loved was the way that the color scheme, the gothic architecture, they're not letting that go. So who is the body? They make a whole big deal about there is a mutilated corpse. I don't know who that is. I don't know who did that. Is that a lichen? Is that the child? At first, I thought we see this scene where Celine interrogates some dude from a window, gets information from him, and then still kills him anyway, which, okay, so we're just going for nihilism and gore in this. Fine. At least it's a change of pace. So I thought it was that body, but then Sebastian and these other cops are like, it looks like a lichen attack. And so I'm like, I don't know who that is now. I think because she can see in the POV of subject number two, and we saw in the subject two POV that corpse, that the little girl did that. And that's telling us that this little girl has the ferocity of a lichen. But we don't know it's a little girl yet. And this introduces, yeah, the human characters, Detective Sebastian, the guy that's told, oh, there it couldn't be vampires or werewolves, they don't exist anymore, but just has a sneaky suspicion and insists on going to talk to Antigen and finding out what they know. Yeah, we're going to find out he married a vampire? No, I thought she was turned. Yeah, he married a nurse, and I guess, hazard of the job, she got bit, and she died in some sunlight. I don't know how long it lasted, (laughs) but he has some empathy for vampires because of that. Well, and they're setting things up as he's talking to the people at this lab. We have the doctor there, Jacob, and he talks about how he lost his son to a lichen. So I'm like, yeah, you got these humans that have been affected by this war. Are they going to try to tell this from the human point of view, or is there going to be a twist? I feel with Jacob, there's going to be a twist, because I've seen Twilight, and I feel like they're referencing that. 
Well, they're referencing Twilight, but the other thing I'm getting heavy, and we've talked about this throughout this series, Resident Evil. This thing has a big Resident Evil vibe. The fact that there's a company named Antigen feels a lot like Umbrella Corporation. There's no reason to trust them when they're saying, oh yeah, we had some test subjects escape, but we annihilated them. No problem. They're all dead. (laughs) This cop is right to be suspicious of that. And he will find out that, in fact, Antigen is the real enemy here. I didn't figure that out. I mean, I knew Antigen wasn't going to be good. But when I found Stephen Ray there, I actually thought he was on the human side. I did not catch this movie's twist until it was revealed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's secretly a Lycan. I agree, you wouldn't necessarily guess that. But you would definitely guess that this company was the big bad here. That would be what she's going to want to bring down. And the same with it, Mila Jovovich is always trying to get back to the Umbrella Corp headquarters. She's going to be taking down Antigen. And while she's running around in what feels like dark Vancouver alleys, <laughs> chasing after the POV of Subject 2, there's this other dude who's kind of Scott Speedman-ish. His name will be revealed as David, and she will end up running into him. He is a pure-blood vampire. Is he supposed to be our new Scott Speedman? Because He's kind of hunky, so I could see them trying to go for that. And yet they're still going to dangle that carrot that Michael is still alive. So I couldn't tell which way they were going. So this is exactly what I'm saying. Twilight, why choose? You can have a pure-blood vampire, or you could have a... I mean, let's face it. Scott Speedman is mostly lichen. He was bit by a werewolf, and he looks a lot more feral and wolf-like than he ever does sleek and supermodel vampire So I think that they're having our Bella character setting up with a love triangle where she will have two potential love interests in future movies. Far more badass than Bella. You have not seen Breaking Dawn. <laughs> I have not. But yeah, again, really, Milia Jovovich is also really the model here. And so we get fights. We're not going to get romance with these two. They're running around trying to find the child and we find out that Lycan are the new sewer rats. I think this is kind of amusing (laughs) that they just are these creatures that run around in pipes and you just have to shoot them, but they're not really problems anymore. Yeah, I more or less, well, look, relative to this franchise, I'm enjoying this opening, setting everything up with this new battle with the humans. And yeah, lichens are supposedly more or less extinct at this point. And they're really down low, like, except for part three, like this franchise has never loved those lichens. They've always been the sewer rats, but I do like this setup. I feel like we're getting into it fast. I'm a little bit confused by the timeline, but the lore here is not nearly as dense as those other films. So I'm kind of into it. I'm not kind of into it. I'm feeling (laughs) the exact opposite. I'm feeling like, oh, another one of these movies. See, the fact that they're blowing brains out and just that gore to me, I'm like, okay, they know what this is. They know this isn't Shakespeare. They know this is trash, and they've embraced it now. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm trying to find the enthusiasm that you are four movies in on a series that I've never loved. It's tough. (laughs) But I do think the real stumbling block for me is you're going to call her Eve, subject to whatever it is. This whole MacGuffin that we got this child that's the magic golden child and everyone wants the child is a plot that I just... I don't want to eat it anymore. I'm pushing my plate away. I'm saying this is not what I wanted. I don't know. I'm getting Logan vibes off of it. Here's this mysterious child that was Celine impregnated and they took this out of her. I thought she was like a clone from both subjects. 
Yeah, I assumed it's Alien 4. We took your genetic material. We took Scott Speedman's genetic material. This is the best we could come up with. She's a cute little kid that every now and then fangs out in the face. You think she's genetically manipulated? I literally thought they took, like, a zygote or fetus out of Celine. I mean, that's genetic manipulation. I mean, I don't think we're saying different things. I just thought she was naturally created, not like they took sperm from one and an egg for another. Test two, baby. Yeah. Perhaps. To be determined, this movie is not concerned about those kinds of details. She is the evil plot of antigen meant to cure lycanthropy's problems. That's where I don't really get it, is why you would want a vampire woman and this hybrid to mate, why that's going to solve werewolves being allergic to silver and being bigger and more muscular. Yeah, antigen, I would assume, knows because they're actually lichens who Michael is, so they know he has lichen properties in him. Yeah, but he's also the descendant of Corvinius, so he's that magic human quality. I don't know. Don't ask me to explain this lore. Yeah, I thought he was resistant to silver already, and they're trying to figure out a way to make themselves more like him. And she already did something in that second movie that made her resistant to sunlight and all. Yeah, Cornivius or whatever his name was bit her, and that pure blood gave her special powers. So the child's going to be magic. Well, just write it up to that. Child's magic, and you do things with the child, you're also magic. And so she is the hope for lichens to claim the earth. And that is the plot of this movie. Okay, it is what it is. But we get a kind of amusing chase scene, a car chase, really, where they're driving the kid around and werewolves are jumping, like leapfrogging from vehicle to vehicle to catch up. Good 3D. And I love the fact that people don't stop. You know, like if a werewolf jumped (laughs) on my car, I'm pretty sure the brakes would keep going, but not these people. I think that's because the werewolves were added in post, so the cars didn't see them. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I just appreciate, again, speaking of these films relative to each other as a franchise, I just appreciate we're not just seeing machine guns shoot, we're seeing lichens jump on cars. It's some kind of action that I felt like we haven't got before. One's going to get in that car, and Eve, or subject number two, as I refer to her, is like going to rip his head in half. Great. This is what I want. Okay. I mean, it is what we're getting. I don't know if it's what I want. I mean, what do you want with an underworld film? <laughs> Look, if it could give me some good gore and fights. Away. I want away. <laughs> I need to meet this film where it lives and a little girl tearing a werewolf in half is there. I just feel like Ghost Rider 2 is about this. The whole, we got to get the child and the child with the magic properties is what you do when you don't know how to advance the storyline. I wanted it to be about humans versus, you know, a team up of werewolves and vampires. I guess if you ask me what would have been the fun, the fun lies in making human beings bad. And so the fact that we have this magic carry kid is not it. But I imagine because Kate Beckinsale is a mother and she wanted to work that into her quote-unquote character, it gives Celine something to do to be nurturing. The child will eventually be bit and they need to get her to a vampire hospital. Yeah, I care more about this mother-child relationship than I ever did care about Celine and Michael. Maybe the relationship with Sonia and Lucian in the third one was comparable, but I've never cared about the relationships. These movies have failed at that for the most part. So the fact that this is more or less working, I mean, this feels very rote action movie. Like, Arnold's got to take the kid and protect him throughout the film. I've seen a million movies like this, and this one is hitting more or less on the right side of that formula. I'm just going to put it right out there. 
Eve is a better actress than Scott Speedman is an actor, at least in these films. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) If Scott Speedman can act, he chose not to in the Underworld series. And so I am more invested in the Celine-Eve relationship than I was in the Celine-Michael relationship. And you know, those first two movies were written as one and split in half because it was too much to do. This is a chance to fix what the first movie did wrong. Give us a better core relationship. Get rid of Michael. (laughs) (laughs) The way to fix it would have her falling for David, I would argue. David is right there. You're right. He's plenty hunky. He's like, why doesn't she like me? And maybe it's because your dad is such a pill. Your dad is Charles Dance doing his best Bill Nighy impression when they get to the vampire underworld lair. He's the one that's sneering that vampires should remain hidden and not fight human beings. Yeah, he even tells this tale of lichens where the youth revolted against the elder lichens and look at where they are now. Okay, boomer vampire. (laughs) He's good at playing what Charles Dance plays. He's kind of got the look going here that he sported in Alien 3. I mean, he's Bill Nye. They clearly wanted you to think about Victor and seeing him, but he doesn't have the menace. He kind of disappears from the movie. His message is bizarre. How can you keep hiding when lichens are literally beating down your underground lair? It just, who's going to agree with him? Yeah, he's going to give up the girl very quickly. He doesn't have the menace because he's not an elder. At no point do I feel like he's a danger to Celine the way I felt like we had with those first two movies with the elders kind of having menace. Charles Dance is nice and evil slash manipulative, but I never feel like he's going to go medieval and kill Celine. I do love that, like, Celine walks in, he automatically knows everything about her. Oh, you killed the two elders and went on the run. I love it. This is double garbage day. You don't have to watch those first two films. <laughs> this is going to recap everything for you, and you can just never have to think about those ones. She's a legend. I'm choked at this. <laughs> Everyone knows her story. I'm like, what story? I couldn't even tell you her story. What was the story of these movies? We've covered them, and they've been garbled. But yes, they've been passed down, and it's what the vampires are telling themselves in the dark, underground, that one day they can live like this fearsome death dealer. It's a Beckinsale problem, right? She doesn't have it. I believe that Mila Jovovich, at the end of the day, is grateful to do the somersaults, is happy to show up and kick ass. I feel like Kate Beckinsale is the wettest blanket imaginable (laughs) as she's having to like saunter into these scenes and huff out some haughty statement and then saunter away. I disagree. I think she wants to be there. I feel like this is her performance. Her character is haughty. I don't feel like she's reticent to give to the series. Otherwise, she wouldn't have come back. I do feel like it's an underworld problem, like the writing, the directing, something, because Michael Sheen gave it his all in still not great films. Like, Ray's great voice. Like, you can have cool elements, but they're not saving everything else that's wrong with an underworld film. I agree. If you don't want Death by Chocolate, if you don't like chocolate, there's no way to make this taste right. And you might be right. I definitely think you're correct that this is how we've come to see her as always just difficult. There's no... Who could love her is, I guess, the way that I look at it. Like, who could be inspired by her? She's always just so huffing and puffing and just above it all. But for whatever reason, she's the best this series has. And now she's going to fight the best the Lycans have, Quint. We've had this guy driving around in previous scenes. Now he's going to blow in in his full Lycan self. 
Yeah, the vamps think that humans are invading. It's actually lichens. Look, the return of the whip. We said that whip was the best part of part one. When fighting that lichen with the whip, we get that. We get an axe to the head. And then we get a giant lichen. Like, what is not to lichen here? <laughs> what is not to lichen here? Yeah. <laughs> plenty. Plenty is not to lichen. But I get what you're saying. I mean, you get what this movie is, though, right, Stuart? Yes. Give yourself to the puerile base pleasures of this movie. You're going to have a whole lot better time than if you're holding on to the magic of the romance of the original. Yeah, there is nothing to hold on there. (laughs) Yeah. Can't argue with that. I do wish there was more with the whip. I felt like the whip, it got a little bit, maybe this was an after effect of the 3D. It got a little blurry, felt a little bit stroby, but I was enjoying seeing it come back out into play. And yeah, the more these movies fight and the less they talk, the better they are, especially when they're splattering blood on the screen. I mean, I like this reveal of the giant lichen. He's veiled behind these curtains, and you just could sense the size, and then it finally comes out. And I don't know, maybe I like it because Celine gets her ass kicked by it, but I feel like if Underworld was more about these kind of setups, I would have enjoyed them a lot more. Because I didn't enjoy them at all. <laughs> As someone that has given green arrows to Resident Evil movies, yes. This is straight up, I think Melia Jovovich several times had a big foe where she'd run up the wall and flip and stick it. And, you know, like the point is that she thinks, oh, I broke silver off into you. That should be enough. But it has regenerative powers. It can pass any silver that she puts in him. And so a lichen that is resistant to silver is undefeatable. She's met her match. This is a decent setup, I suppose. But it absconds with the child, and we're heading into the climax. This is where we find out that Antigen is really a lichen plot, and that they they have this poor lone female human that didn't know any of this, and they gotta choke a bitch out. And she's like, wait, you're gonna cut up the child? Yeah, we're werewolves. Die. Again, that shocked me. Didn't see it coming. I knew they'd be evil. Didn't know they'd be werewolves. And when these films could actually flesh out the lichens, like in part three, I like them more too. Like when they're supposed to just be animals for vampires to shoot, it's kind of boring. But the fact that they're smart here, they got a plot, they're actual villains. It's just for an underworld film, a lot better. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Or is it just running on fumes now? I mean, again, I appreciate that you're trying to find the innovation in the factory. But this feels like same shit, different day. And since it never worked, it's feeling even more tedious. No, this is very different than those first two. I will disagree with what you said. I feel like this feels like lesser. This feels like direct-to-video. All the bad things you could heap on a movie, but it's better for it. It's trashy. It's more violent. It's all better for it, though. Okay. And to me, it just feels like that's because we realized we wanted to be Resident Evil. And again, I think I recommended three of them. That's fine. Like, I've never liked a Resident Evil film, so this is working somehow better than those for me. Oh, no. Yeah, that's where I think I am strongly disagreeing. Resident Evil is better at this game than they are. Everyone is better than Underworld. Better at romance, better at action, better at acting and drama. But, okay, so let's get to this climax here. Celine is suddenly, you know, this is her moment to stare down Charles Dance, because he's furious. His son is dead. David was killed during that epic lichen battle. Well, was he dead? I mean, what does it take to kill a vampire? You need ultraviolet light, or you need to behead them or burn them. 
I didn't see any of that happen with him. No, I think they established the rule is if a werewolf bites you, that's it. It will kill you, yeah. Okay. But Celine is, well, I guess she's literally Neo because Neo did this to Trinity in that second Matrix film. Like, reach into her chest. I couldn't believe this. I'm like, does he have a key in his chest too? Like in that second Underworld (laughs) film that she's retrieving? No, she's going to pump his heart somehow and bring him back to life. That's going to get old, even if they end up falling in love, that you have to reach in and keep squeezing his chest like a squeeze ball (laughs) to keep him running around. Mm -mm. Do vampires' hearts even beat? They're dead. They're undead. Well, that was my confusion that they even have blood in them, but I guess that's an Anne Rice thing because, yeah, they're dead. They don't need nutrients. They don't need organs that function. But I guess if you have blood in you, you need a heart to pump it? I don't know. The point is that Charles Dance can't be mad because the son is back alive. She's rallying the troops. They don't have a lair to hide in anymore. They have no choice, really, but to storm Antigen and reclaim the child. Were there troops? I kind of saw her doing it alone. (laughs) (laughs) Strangely enough, the person that seems most excited about doing all of this is the cop. Yeah. They bring Sebastian back in for some reason. Which is weird because his wife died because she was a vampire, but he's going to team up with the vampires here. Right. I guess all is forgiven, or maybe he just wants to get with Celine. Not clear. He could be a fourth part, a, qu- a love square. Speaking of Celine and like this team, it does feel weird. Like she's a daywalker at this point, but I don't feel like that ever comes into play. They'll mention it at one point, but I never feel like, oh, that helps save the day that she could walk in sunlight. I think it's very notable that she's walking up to this building, this ugly, urban, brutalistic building. All concrete slabs and what have you. It's why she got so far before anyone noticed. And all of a sudden, she's in the elevator setting off bombs. And we have a climax. This is the end of the film. She is filling the air vents with, I guess, gas that has silver particulate in it. And since they haven't extracted the cure, the immune thing... Well, they... This vaccine, it sounds like you got to get more boosters than the one for COVID. Like, they (laughs) mentioned that... Jacob's son had 12 shots until he was finally immune to silver. Okay. I didn't hear that line, but yes, we do know that this guy, Quint, keeps going in for, and you got to get the jabbed in the eyeball or something, which, oof. Why can't you just inject it through the arm? Why does it got to be through the eye? (laughs) Yeah. Why does that help? I don't, because it's gross. This is the kind of movie that we're in. Yeah. This film, if nothing else, it's gross. Yes. We'd like to keep things disgusting. What I found funny was when Stephen Ray turns into a werewolf, and it's quite clearly not Stephen Ray. I mean, there's no way you're getting him in makeup. He's suddenly thinner, gaunter, moving like a younger man. Yeah, admittedly. But would you want to see Stephen Ray in an action scene? I mean, he's just not the kind of actor that physically (laughs) can pull that fight off. Even if he is fighting a 12-year-old child (laughs) that feels like he's outmatched. So yes, wolf him out and give him something. We get a big climax in a parking lot. Maybe not the most exciting thing you could do, but the point is he was trying to drive away with the child because the surgery was interrupted. And now both Theo James and the little girl, Eve, are beating up on Stephen Ray while Celine is going for the big guy, Quint. What happened to Stephen Ray's face? It looks like part of it got ripped off while he was transforming into a lichen or something. I don't know. I like the aesthetics here. The fact that this Eve, I don't know, looks like Reagan from The Exorcist at times. Again, if you just want that gore and just extreme blood, I think this is going to hit it for you. Yeah, she ends up... What I saw was when he's thrown against a concrete pillar 
she rips out the skin of his throat so you can see like his thorax and all of that. Yeah, that's how she kills him. Rips his throat out. It's great. Yeah, it's some kind of move. I guess it's <laughs> one-upping biting the neck. It's actually removing the neck. Pretty super vampire stuff here. And was Celine reaching into David's chest and pumping his heart? Was that foreshadowing? Was that Chekhov's surgery for how she's going to defeat this werewolf at the end? I thought so. If only what I thought had happened was a total Bruce Lee move. I thought she punched into his chest and pulled out his heart. Yes, I thought that too. That would have been one way to go, but we've all seen that movie. They showed it earlier. She had tried to break off Silver inside of him, and he just pushed it out and said, eh, no big problem. So she knows he has regenerative skin. We know that if she sticks it all the way inside him, it's a grenade filled with that silver gas. If it's inside him, he can't push it out. The skin wound is healed. He has no choice but to explode. But he's immune to silver, and that's what I would think would stop his healing factor, if we're getting to X-Men terminology here. So I guess just the explosion is too much for him to handle. Yeah, it looked like a fatal case of indigestion. He tries to get bigger. <laughs> he shrank down small, so she went off into some narrow hallways. So he turned into a naked human. And here you see him at the end trying to grow back in size to confront the size of the explosion. But it ultimately makes him go splat. But in the middle of this fight, it's worth pointing out that Celine saw that Michael is not dead. Even though she had been told as such, they have been keeping him on ice. This, again, feels like an Umbrella Corp move. We have your boyfriend off. They, we've turned him into something else. He's hanging upside down in a popsicle way. You wouldn't suspect him because we know who Subject 1 and Subject 2 is. I don't know why you would name a Subject 0, but that is the big <laughs> reveal. He was Subject 0. That's why you never heard of him. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that Scott Speedman would rather jump off a roof than appear in this movie. <laughs> yes. So he gets out of the cryo tube. There's no reason why he shouldn't be palling around with the heroes. He's run off and they'll have to find him next time. Does he not want to pay child support? Is that why he's taken <laughs> off? Do they really think they can get Scott Speedman back next time? Is that what they're holding out for? I hope not. I don't want Michael ever again. I assume that that's what it is, is that this is a tease for the fans to let them know that that love story from the first one is not over. And again, you can twilight this shit now. Now there are other people that are vying for Celine's romantic attention. Good luck getting with that. She is the most aloof person I could imagine <laughs> ever trying to romance. You have not seen Twilight then, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Well, actually I have, but as of this recording, I have not. One more Celine monologue to tell us that she's going to reclaim the vampire coven. I'll look out on the city, and we're off. That's the end. So, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Awakening for Underworld? Jacob. Look, I'm not proud of this, but for a film that's under 90 minutes, action film, it's got enough blood, it's got enough just weird deformities with werewolves, giant werewolves, whatever happens to Jacob's face at the end, that throat getting ripped out. It's got enough of that stuff that it could sustain the 87-minute runtime or whatever it is. And I'm not bored during it. I'm like, oh, that is an 87-minute action film that held my attention for its running time. Is that success? Maybe not for most films, but for an Underworld film, that is success for me. Like, I was entertained by this one. It is not great art. This one specifically is trash. It is, yeah, if we can't do it with Shakespeare, we'll get you with the gore. And they got me. So I'll give this the most mild of recommends. Stuart. 
Don't waste your time. You take some balls to put the end theme song from Evanescence. Like, that's the course. Don't waste your time. Who am I to disagree? Good advice for this fourth Underworld movie. You've seen it all before, is the thing. So, did you like it? I guess that's part one. Did you want to return? It sounds like for many of us here on the show, it is a chore. Yeah, I'm not excited for the next one, even though I've given this one a recommend. I don't want to see any more. Yeah, here's what they've done. Yes, they've made it trashier. I do think the directing team has the right attitude. Let's just not have pretensions that this is anything other than a monster mash and do a bunch of gross stuff in 3D and have fun in a trashy way is the way that I want to experience this. But I think for me, the holdup, the reason why it's a fun killer is our death dealer. Beckinsale has all the conviction of a sleepwalker and she's surrounded by people. I just imagine Theo James pulling out his cell phone in between takes and screaming at his agent, you told me this was true blood. (laughs) You just feel the non-committal of everyone here. They don't like it. And so it's hard to feel the party. And when I watch a Resident Evil movie, I can feel that party. I can feel that Mia Jovovich is game in ways that I don't get from Celine and her crew. I mean, Scott Speedman couldn't even be bothered to come. We should be celebrated. (laughs) But a commitment phobia for this cast is what I'm saying. And can they fix that with another film? I think they're headed in the right direction in terms of tone, but I am tired of watching these people. Lycan or Vampire, they're not anyone that I want to see live on. So. Yeah, I just feel like this Underworld Awakening doesn't have a pulse. And I'm here in an unenviable position of having some fun during a movie I know isn't very good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anytime people are talking, I'm pretty checked out. Anytime they're splattering blood on the screen or using cool 3D effects, I'm rather fond of the movie. It's Not much better than last week's. It's pretty much on par with last week's, and I almost gave last week's a recommend. So the question I really had to ask myself is, can I look myself in the mirror if I give a recommend to an Underworld film at this point? I mean, it's not a franchise I like. It's not a franchise I'd ever choose to turn on. But I won't make fun of you. How about that? (laughs) Go ahead and do it. You won't, but the (laughs) listeners will be like, you didn't recommend Batman Begins, but you recommended Underworld Awakening. It's just a reason to do it, right? Just to set them on fire. Better than Batman Begins. (laughs) You know, more enjoyable. That's fun to do sometimes, to have an outrageous, unjustifiable (laughs) position. It's more enjoyable than Batman Begins. It doesn't try to be erudite and fail. It just tries to be a vampire werewolf action film and it is and so you know what the weakest of recommends there's a little blood left in this franchise they keep getting better is the thing i can say is each film i've enjoyed more than the one before it is part five oscar worthy that is the question now so you both are saying that this is as good as it's been yes yes i feel like that third one was better than this partly because again when i talk about cast members having fun Michael Sheen had fun in that part. This one, it was just the gory action that won me over. Yeah, and the 3D effects helped with me, too. I really, they had good use of gimmicky 3D. In a movie like this, that's all you need. I'll say this much for it. It's in the rare category of where all the sequels are better than the original. Oh, yeah. That's a weird thing to say. But other than Star Trek, 
This is the only franchise I can think of like that. And they eventually ran out of love by the fifth movie. So who knows? If Star Trek had the worst part five, who knows what it means for Blood Wars. But we'll find out when we get the series conclusion next week. Yeah, it was supposed to be. After this movie, they just started talking reboot. Instead, they did sequel. So we will find that out. And in the meantime, we're getting to the end of Twilight as well. Breaking Dawn Part 1 starts this Friday. Don't watch it with your parents. It's probably uh, more risque than Fifty Shades of Grey. Woo! Hmm. Now I'm intrigued. There is quite an S&M honeymoon scene in that one. Okay. All right. Well, if you want to hear all the Twilight reviews, it is just a donation of $10 to this podcast to help us do the show we do every Tuesday and many, many Fridays. You'll get to hear reviews of all five Twilight films. If you donate $25 or more, you're going to get the Twilight reviews and the Harry Potter reviews, $35 or more, and you also get the Fantastic Beasts reviews with that bundle. Plus, there's higher packages with even more reviews, Top Gun, Jurassic World, and more. Details are at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. And Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. Until next time, my will is done regardless. My journey has now come full circle. Once an outcast... I am now one of three chosen elders, from hunted to the highest honor. But I no longer fear death, for I have known it once already. Thank you for listening to this Now Playing Podcast movie review. They've been silenced, but otherwise unharmed as ordered. We hope you enjoyed the show. You've done exactly as I hoped and planned, if not more. Help us spread the word about this show by leaving a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your podcast store of choice. Why are you helping me? I'm not. I'm helping me. Want more reviews like this one? In the archive section of NowPlayingPodcast.com, you'll find more than 1,000 in-depth movie reviews from our panel of hosts. There is no beginning. There is no end. There is only becoming. On our site, you can hear reviews for every installment in the world's biggest film franchises, including the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Wars, Spider-Man, Batman, X-Men, James Bond, Middle-Earth, Jurassic Park, Fast and Furious, and Transformers. Enough to produce an endless supply of... Plus, we have individual movie reviews, such as Avatar, Titanic, E.T., Inception, Big Hero 6, Ready Player One, Pulp Fiction, Apocalypse Now, Doctor Strangelove, and hundreds more. Yet or alive, you will give me what I want! And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next Tuesday for another all-new movie review podcast. Peace. By delicate peace, the puzzle will fall into place. Support from listeners like you keeps Now Playing Podcast on the air. Yes. I have taken from him, but I have given so much more. You can donate directly by tapping the support button at nowplayingpodcast.com. I can assist you. Well, you already have. 
And you can join our crowdfunding campaign for early access to new episodes, exclusive reviews, and bonus reviews. It pains me to admit it, but for the first time in my life, I genuinely fear for our future. Need more Now Playing? Subscribe to our In Focus weekly newsletter for exclusive digital download giveaways, celebrity interviews, behind-the-scenes insights, and more. Sign up through the subscribe page on our website and get it delivered to your inbox every Friday. I need you to deliver a message. Grunt if you understand. You can also compare notes with us on Letterboxd. Go to letterboxd.com forward slash now playing to see what our hosts are watching when we're not recording podcasts. And follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. The vampires didn't realize you were following a human, did they, Race? No. Want 375 more Now Playing reviews? Get the Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Arnie, Stuart, Jacob, and Marjorie reviewed 125 different movies you probably haven't seen. But you should. Find out why in Now Playing's first book of movie reviews. Do you not realize this is a gift I am giving you? The ebook is available now, and the audiobook and print book will be coming soon. Find details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. My eyes see beyond the surface of so many things. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Without me, you'd have nothing. You'd be nothing. Associate produced by Jason Latham. There's no room for error with me. Now playing is edited by Heath, Stephen, Santiago, and Arnie. I kept the secrets, cleaned up the mess. Now playing credits read by Brock. I contact preventing him from making the change. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the views of Venganza Media Incorporated. Why would I listen to your lies when the journey to the truth is so much sweeter? Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. These rules are in place for good reason and they are the only reason we have survived this long. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of and may not be used without the express written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. We are getting reports on what appears to be a mass cleansing. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production copyright 2022 and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. We fought our greatest battle in our darkest hour. After centuries of war between vampire and lichen, this may at last be a time of peace. I saw the American version. I didn't see the Norwegian version. I didn't see the Norwegian version. Ugh. I didn't see the Norwegian version. God damn it. I didn't see a Norwegian version. Um. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> They're all whores. I didn't see the Norwegian version of the bridge. At the start of the film, we see our favorite Death Eater, Celine, again played by Kate Beckinsale. Death Dealer, not Death Eater. Oh. That's Harry Potter. <laughs> At the start of the film, we see our favorite Death Dealer, Celine, again played by Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> 